Yeah, so great to be with you as we are entering into this amazing day and time that we celebrate together, this Feast of Pentecost, a special day in the church's history, but absolutely an amazing day in the history of the world. It's not just a church celebration. It's a God day that God had planned for us from the foundation of the world. Today is Pentecost. It has been 50 days since we gathered together the resurrection celebration of Jesus Christ. It is crazy how time goes, and yet it seems at times that it's slow, and then it moves fast. But it's been 50 days ago that we were together for Easter, celebrating Jesus' resurrection. Last week, we talked about the ascension, how Jesus ascended into heaven with the promise from the Father that the Holy Spirit would come. It's amazing how God's perfect timing and calendar works, isn't it? How God himself established this way back in the beginning. He called his people out of bondage in Egypt and said, you will be my people, set them free from slavery, taught them to become a holy nation to himself in relationship with him, told them what they needed to do and not do to have that relationship with him. And then God gave that celebration of Passover to celebrate that beginning of the new life. Then so happened in God's calendar of perfection that Jesus would come and he would come into Jerusalem in that Passover celebration festivity and that he would give his life for us. And then in that moment when Jesus paid the penalty of sin and death, that he offered to us a new life coming out of the old life of slavery to sin into new relationship with the Father, free from that old life. And now, church, because of that, God has invited us into this relationship where we need to learn how to live as his people, right? That's amazing. That's what God did for us. But God wasn't done. He had another feast that he gave to his people. It was the Feast of Pentecost. This was a feast of thanksgiving. And there were feasts that God required every man to come back to Jerusalem to the temple to celebrate. Just so happens, Passover, Pentecost. So Jerusalem is filled with people that are coming back from all the nations around the world where they'd been dispersed, all the different places they'd been, and they come back to Jerusalem. Why are they there? They are there to celebrate Thanksgiving, their Thanksgiving, the first harvest. So as they assemble there and they are back there, they're worshiping God and thanking God for the first harvest. That's what Pentecost was. In preparation for Pentecost, God had called his people together. Here's the disciples in the upper room. They're celebrating God's thanksgiving and waiting. What does God do? God shows up in a big time way. We saw the video there, how the Holy Spirit came and dwelled the believers. They're empowered with strength and boldness to proclaim the news of Jesus Christ. They go out into the streets and they preach Jesus to those people that are gathered there to the celebration of Pentecost. The reason the people came out in the streets is they heard the wind. They knew something took place. They didn't know what it was. So everybody in Jerusalem came out and Peter begins to preach Jesus to them. They're amazed. And 3,000 people received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and are baptized that day. It was the first harvest of God's kingdom and His plan. God's perfect calendar of time as He set things up. So the first harvest was day one of Pentecost. It was the birth of the church, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the gift that God promised to give to us in our redemption. 
Now, church, we're here to celebrate that. And what we are celebrating is the fact that God himself came to dwell within us. There's a lot of confusion about the Holy Spirit, just like there's confusion about Jesus. We talk about God. We talk about Jesus. We talk about the Holy Spirit. I want you to know the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they are God. All right? Now, what Jesus said was, wait till you're filled with power the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit, then you're going to be my witness. So Jesus said to his disciples, the Holy Spirit's going to dwell in you. Something amazing is going to happen. God himself will dwell in you. So, last week I had a hard time with the message because I was looking forward to today so much that it was like a distraction for me. Coming in, I want you to know that as we're looking at today, we look at the scriptures of Jesus is like everything was pointing to this moment. Just like at the previous section of his ministry life, it was pointing to the cross. The whole moment that God had planned for was through the cross, through the tomb, to Pentecost, to eternity. So let's look at these scriptures that Jesus gave to us to teach about the Holy Spirit. Because church... There's been so much confusion about the Holy Spirit. It's honestly, I've been through seminary and different things in my classes and teachings and stuff. And one of the things that I know is that we don't teach the Holy Spirit very well in our higher educational places. I'm talking about the churches. And the reason why we don't teach him very well is because we don't understand him very well. Because he's mystical. Spirit. Father, we can say, oh, he's the Father, he is God, he is this, and he fills this role. Jesus, he's the Savior, he became flesh and dwelt among us, was born of a virgin, lived his life, gave his life on the cross of Calvary, rose from the grave, ascended into heaven. There he intercedes for us before the Father beside the throne. Then the Holy Spirit, and we're like, yep, he's God, he lives in us, and he gives gifts, and he does these things, but it's like hard to teach something tangible about the Holy Spirit except to say that He's God, He's Spirit. He lives in you. And we're struggling with the idea of God living in us. So what's happened is the church has been teaching stuff about the Holy Spirit and about the day of Pentecost. And what we're looking at is the fringe stuff about that day, the event, just like Justin was talking about. We have churches that are talking about the experience and what they interpret to be the revelation we're not talking about the who. So here's a Justin's church in the assembly of God. If you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the Holy Spirit. You're not saved. You don't got it right. Here's Dave in his church. If you do that, you don't got it. Matter of fact, that's from the devil. Both Christian churches. And there's churches that fill every slot between these extremes. Y'all know that, right? You've probably been a part of them. So I grew up in this church saying, they're whack. I'm not God. That's not the way it works. People in this church are over there like, you have no idea who God is. If you knew God, you'd be doing this. If you knew God, you wouldn't do that. We're not talking about who God is. We're talking about what you do, what you don't do. We're always talking about the fringe stuff. And churches are building themselves up and teaching and talking about the experiences, 
the, the blessings, the promises, the givings. Now, I'm not talking about, we don't talk about the promises because we will, but I'm talking about what we receive from God so that we can do for God. Listen to what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. Let's, um, let's get rid of all of this. That and that. Let's get rid of all of it. Let's look at what Jesus said. In John 14, if you love me, obey my commandments. First off, I want you to know God is always after our obedience to Him. Him. Not the church, nobody else, to Him. Listen to what He says now. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit, who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive Him because it isn't looking for Him and doesn't recognize Him, but you know Him because He lives with you now and later will be in you. We read these scriptures already last week, right? So Jesus is saying like, you know who He is. I'm right here, Jesus. Jesus is like, you, you know Him. I'm here. But He's going to be in you. You don't got Him yet. The world can't have Him, but you will. So let's see exactly what Jesus said. The Holy Spirit will never leave you. He's always present. This is a promise from Jesus. The Holy Spirit will never leave you. The Holy Spirit will lead into all truth. So here's the revelation aspect of God. Not that He's revealing all truth of the planet and galaxy, all truth. We're going to find out what truth is as we read about the Holy Spirit and what Jesus said. So He says He's going to reveal and lead us into all truth. The Holy Spirit would not be in non-believers only dwelling in believers. Jesus said this. I've had conversations with people that said that they were filled with the Holy Spirit before they ever knew Jesus. No, you weren't. No, you can't. Jesus said it. That won't happen. Jesus said it. Only believers, the world can't receive Him. All right, let's see what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. John 15, verse 26. But I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. Uh-oh, what is truth? Right? We just look at the Holy Spirit would lead into truth. Now we are told by Jesus that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. He is God. He is truth. The revelation of who God is that truth of understanding of who God is. All right. Let's look at John 16. But now I'm going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin, and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. So let's, again, let's process things that Jesus tells us about the Holy Spirit versus what the church talks about in the Holy Spirit. See, the church is talking about the Holy Spirit and all that other stuff. Jesus is telling us who He is and what He'll do. It's pretty plain and simple what He tells us, that the Holy Spirit is going to be here convicting the world of its sin and of the righteous God that exists. He is the evidence that God exists. 
He proves that he is righteous and holy, and he's convicted the world of sin, saying, none of us measures up to that righteous God. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Then he's going to promise us, Jesus said, that he's going to show us that there is also a day you're going to answer to that righteous God. So the Holy Spirit's work is presence, truth, knowledge of understanding of God, conviction of who he is, and conviction of us not measuring up. Holy Spirit's going to do something amazing for us, church. He goes on in John chapter 16. Verse 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak in his own, on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the father is mine. This is why I said the spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. All right. So Jesus is telling his followers, church us and his disciples this is who the spirit is he's truth and this is what he's going to do and he lists it for us the holy spirit will guide us into truth he tells us this because he is truth the holy spirit will not speak on his own he's not here to start his own work his own church or his own theology the holy spirit is here to talk about jesus to prove that Jesus is real and to affirm in the believers that Jesus is who God said he is. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing. The Holy Spirit will only confirm the teachings of Jesus and affirm Jesus' word. Jesus himself said this. Okay? So it's not like we have to figure this out, church. He already told us what this is all about. So the church has looked at Pentecost And we've looked at the very presence of God coming to dwell within us as a dividing line in the church. It separated us. (laughs) I don't want to be with those nuts. I don't want to be with those corpses. That's, That's what we've done. We've separated and isolated ourselves by our view of what the Holy Spirit is and the day of Pentecost represents. So, as we look at this the church we as Christians and I'm not just going to blame the church I'm going to blame the small groups at home the independent Bible studies the commentary writers y'all and me okay just saying we're all guilty of this what we've done is we've looked at the day of Pentecost we've looked at the Bible and the scriptures and then we want to have people that agree with our interpretation and we push everyone else aside and we isolate ourselves into little small groups of what we think is the right thing. Now, don't misunderstand me. Not everybody's all in the same thing. But if it's anything other than Jesus, we're all in the wrong thing. Because the Holy Spirit came to affirm who Jesus is, what Jesus said, and what Jesus taught, and what he does for us. If it's outside of that, we're screwed up. We're not doing the right thing. We're focusing on the wrong thing. Look at what he says to us, church. Jesus' last words before he ascends into heaven. They were about the Holy Spirit and what he would do in the believer. Jesus told us this is what the Holy Spirit will do in the believer when he indwells you. You ready for this? 
You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere. Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. These are the words of Christ. He's going to do this. He's going to empower. You're going to get power that you never had before. You know why? Because God dwells within us. Before it was flesh, death, and emptiness. Now God dwells in you, and now you're going to have power. Why? Because we have relationship with God, and now God lives in us. But that power is not for superficial stuff. It's to be my witness. Amen. Let's go back to the start of the ministry of Jesus. We're going all the way back here from very, the very beginning. Jesus is coming to John the Baptist to be baptized. And as we begin this, we touched on it last week. We're looking at this again. Look, he comes to John the Baptist and John the Baptist baptizes Jesus. This is God's word, Matthew 3, verse 16. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. Cool stuff, right? The Holy Spirit descending. When you read in John, you know that God himself had revealed to John the Baptist. When you see the Spirit descending upon him, He's the one, right? So John the Baptist sees this and sees what's happening. Affirmation, he's the one. Now what does it say? And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. So what do we have? The Spirit descending and filling Jesus at his baptism and the Father's affirmation saying, You're mine. That's it. I don't mean that like that's it. I mean, that's it. Listen, man, look what just took place. Other than the voice of God and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, nothing else happened. No special signs, no other languages, no tongues, no nothing. But the Spirit indwelled Jesus right there. And it was an affirmation from the Father you're mine. We have the very first witness of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit happening before our very eyes in Scripture. You're mine. What happens next? Matthew 4, verse 1. Listen to the Scriptures. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. <laughs> All right. So it's like, Woo! Baptism, celebration, Spirit of God, God's affirmation. Now let's go live in the real world and see what this does. That's what it is. You see what I'm saying, church? What God's revealed to us? It's like, you're my kid. I am yours. We have relationship. Now he goes and he says, let's see what that relationship looks like. Jesus goes into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. During that time the devil came and said to him, listen to what he says, church. If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. We're not going to read any more of the temptations. We don't need to. 
We're going to look right here because this is where it's all at. Right here. The very first thing that the devil challenged was Jesus' identity and who he was. Listen, church. Look, we read this. If you are the Son of God, do something. Okay? What God had said to Jesus at the baptism was this. You are my beloved Son. Right? The very words God spoke over him, the devil was like, really? If, if you really are, you'll do this. Prove yourself to me. Prove yourself. Know who you are. If you're really that, you can do something. So he's planting seeds of doubt in the very words God spoke in affirmation of who he was. Church, come on. Like, as we look at that, it's like, man, the devil went right for the heart of what God said. Look, this is nothing new. Remember in Genesis? Eve is having the conversation with the serpent. What does he say? Has God really said, you know, like planting seeds of doubt? Doubting what God has said. Thinking on your own and doing on your own. If you do that, you'll become like God. If you really are the Son of God, you'll do something. You'll prove yourself. <laughs> the enemy's only got one trick, church. That's planting seeds of doubt in who God is and what God says. That's it. So, what the devil wanted to do is to remove the affirmation of Jesus' identity by placing a doubt inside of him, by attacking the very affirmation that was already given. Let's just pause for a minute. The devil knew who Jesus was. Right? Come on. The demons all knew who Jesus was. We see that in the Gospels. God knew who Jesus was. Jesus knew who Jesus was. And here's the devil, if you really are. Every, everybody knew, but there was this desire to plant doubt. <sighs> this truth is so critical for us, church. Listen, it's so critical for us. Because, see, the Holy Spirit is the one, the one that affirms that we are God's children. He's the one that does that. So when we read in God's word, listen in Romans 8. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. See that? God's affirmation. God does it. The church can't do it. Nobody else can do it. Only God can do that. And only God is the one that can change us from the fearful slaves that we used to be into His own children. 
It is a Spirit of God that moves in us and we are joined to the Father. I now have my identity back. That identity that was stolen in sin has now been restored by Jesus Christ by sending the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, to dwell within me. Now I can say, Father! See, before that, He was God! Now I can say, Father, why? Because church, we're His kids! And God said you're mine. God said it. See, when sin entered the world, we lost that. We lost that identity. God's plan was to redeem us and to restore us and to make His, His children again. To restore that relationship with Him. So I want to tell you that the church can't do anything about it. I can baptize you every single week. Or like Justin was talking about, you can come to the altar, we can pray every single week. I can't change you. That water won't change you. I can pour gallons of oil over you, anointing you. That can't change you. You can drink bread, uh, wine and eat bread the rest of your life. Can't change you. It will never adopt you into the family. You see, what God told us is that this restoration, this relationship comes through repentance through Jesus Christ and God does this work in us. He restores us into relationship with Him. We're adopted back into the family. He restores us and He makes us whole and it's the Spirit that does the work. God does everything. That doesn't mean any of that other stuff's not important to do as we worship and celebrate who He is and what He's done. But listen, church, that's what those things are all about. Knowing who He is and what He's done. All of that other stuff is celebrating who He is and what He's done. He's restored me into relationship with Him. <laughs> See, the enemy has attacked every one of us with the confusion of who we are. There is a plague on the planet of lack of self-worth and no identity. We in the United States have been sold a lie like everybody else in the world. We've just packaged it different. We're going to live the American dream. See, the American dream is about your life, your experiences, and what you have. This is not an anti-American message, so just relax and listen. Church, seriously, think about it. See, the American dream is about having stuff, becoming someone, and being something. We're nothing. We're leaving it all behind. You can have everything and still be a nobody because you feel it inside because you have no identity. We have been sold alive that if you can attain certain levels of something, then you are... So you know this. If I was just meeting you for the first time, hey, I'm Dave. How you doing? I'm Joe. Great to meet you, Joe. What do you do for a living? That's going to happen within two minutes. Where do you live? Where are you from? What is happening as we have that conversation, church? We're assessing if this person has value and worth. If they rolled up in some Mercedes or the new Corvette or something like that, we'd have already identified them as something. We would. I know this. Sometimes I'm working on the, you know, our stuff at the house and I got these pants with holes in them. I didn't buy them that way. I earned them all. And they're like rags. You know, they are. They're rags. And I got ripped off 
t-shirts and stuff and I got this old little beater truck that I drive I love that little truck but like when I drive that and I'm dressed like this like I'll run I don't I I know I probably shouldn't always do this but like I'll go to the store like that or go stop and do stuff and you know when you pull in like that and you look like that people see you like that (laughs) it's crazy because see like um when I'm dressed different, let's just say I'm, you all know I have that custom bike that's beautiful that was given to me. But if I'm wearing my Harley stuff and I ride up on that chopper custom motorcycle and stuff, people are like, oh, hey, man, they want to talk to me. Nobody even says hi to me when I pull up in my little uh, Nissan truck. But when I drive up on that bike, they're like, dude, that is awesome. Do you know how many people have asked me how much that bike cost? Seriously. That is the craziest question, but hey, I hope you don't think I'm rude. How much that cost? Deception. They think you are somebody. Okay. So a lot of us, listen, we try and put on something to be somebody. I'm talking about Christian people even. There's Christian people that want to have a title, a position in the church. They want to do certain things. They want to be seen as something. Remember, that's what the Pharisees were doing all the time. They wanted to be identified as something that actually they weren't. Huh. Jesus tells us we're here. The Holy Spirit is here to affirm who we are. We're God's kids. We have our identity. We need nothing else. We know all this stuff's going away. We know it is. Who are we? So like the older generation, which I'm a part of, and it's not that far below me either of the inclusion, I will say this. Now, please hear me all the way through and don't like stop and, you know, draw your conclusions or anything. But, you know, there's this thing going on in our culture where our younger kids, they're like, we don't, we, they don't know who they are. They don't even know what sex they are. You know, so the older generation looks at them like, dude, look in the mirror. You know what I mean? Like It's like, it's a no-brainer. Biology has determined who you are. You have physical parts that say male, that part says female. So we're like, why don't these kids get it? You should know who you are. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. We're struggling with our own identity. We bank on things like, I know who I am. I'm this and this and I do this and I live there and I have this and I'm but we don't know who we are. We're just as confused as they are. So here it is. Jesus says, man, Holy Spirit, He's going to come. He's going to adopt you. He's going to affirm this thing that God had planned for us so that we could be, ah, Abba, Father. I have an identity. You know how much dysfunctionalness is out here? You do know brokenness is everywhere family dysfunction wounds and brokenness look I I want you to know that your earthly father your earthly mother those people you don't belong to them if you're a believer and you've received Jesus Christ you have a father it is the creator of the universe he is God and he is your father Yes, He used to be God. Now He's Abba Father because I have a relationship. My identity is now in Him. Not in my dad. Larry Dahlberg birthed me through my mother. No doubt about that. 
Okay, but I've been made new and born again because now I have a father, a real one. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. You're amazing. So when Jesus completed his work of redemption through his death and resurrection, he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. He's going to live in you. God's presence, God himself living inside of you. He's the one who's going to give you what you don't have. (laughs) He's going to restore you. He's going to give you your worth and your identity and your value. See, the devil wants us to doubt that truth. He wants us to continue to struggle with who we are. He wants us to see stuff as our answer. The Word of God tells us The book of Ecclesiastes, King Solomon was the richest man in the earth. God's word tells us like silver was like stones in the street. It had no value because there was so much wealth in Israel. All of his palace, all the stuff, all the tent was overlaid in gold. Everything was just covered with gold, made out of gold, everything. It was just like, this is normal life. And Solomon tells us that whatever his heart desired, he got it. They shipped in chimpanzees and stuff from Africa. They had all exotic like plants and flowers and spice. They had everything you can imagine on the planet. And Solomon tells us, whatever my heart's desire was, I got it. And this is what he goes on to tell us. And I found that everything was vanity and vexation. Nothing satisfied inside me. And here we are, church. Please hear me. We've been told in our culture, if you have, you are. We buy lottery tickets hoping to get the, get the big payday. We do all this stuff to try and elevate our life to have it better. We want everything better for our kids. What we mean by better is an easier life with more stuff. Come on, is that an amen or what? Let's be real. Okay, but as we think about this and we look at all that, it's all passing. We leave it all. Are we who we are by what we have, (laughs) where we work, and where we live? I worked on the back of a garbage truck for two years. I really believe that they should take every kid out of high school and throw them on the back of a, pit of a garbage truck. I'm telling you, I mean, I worked my butt off on that thing. I was the only one back there running and picking up trash cans and dumping it. I learned a ton of stuff. A work ethic. I learned that people throw away everything. I mean, everything, including some of your Christmas presents unopened. <laughs> and then I learned that people see you for what you do and their perception of you. Or when someone was standing right there and I would say good morning going up for their trash, they would look at me like, who are you talking to? And turn around and walk away. Literally. Like I meant nothing to them because I was a garbage man. For real. You know how you look at people? Seriously, church, think about it. Do you know how we look at that person with the little sign? See how we we do that? Like you have no value. You mean nothing to me. You're nobody. Here's where the identity comes from. 
So when we come to, come to the Lord and He forgives us, our identity comes through the truth of what God says. God proclaims that we are His. He affirms our identity in Christ and He does all the work in us. In 1 John chapter 4, it says this, And God has given us His Spirit as a proof that we live in Him and He in us. A proof. Not a hope. Not a I want. A proof. See, it's an affirmation. Do you remember what Jesus got told to Him by the Father? You are. This is my beloved Son. See, the Holy Spirit is the proof. God says, you're mine. Have you had that encounter with God, church? I know I'm God's. The day that I repented of my sin and I said yes to God, I cannot tell you the words that came out of my heart, my mouth, my mind. This is what I know. I went to that altar because I was sick of my life. I knew he was the answer, and I needed to change. Don't even know the words I said. All I know is, in the moment that I was forgiven, I knew. The evangelist didn't come over to me. I'm a, I was on this side of the altar. I'm not leaving you guys. That's really physically where I was. He didn't come over and say, Now you're forgiven. Get up. Didn't say a word. My dad, who was the pastor, didn't come over and say, well, it's about time. Get up. I know it's done. Nobody came and told me anything. Nobody had to. In that moment, I knew. Why? Because God said, you're mine. Something happened in me. The Spirit of God, it says right there, there is proof that God was in me. I was changed. Nobody had to tell me. I had to learn what that meant. But nobody had to tell me it happened. I was born again. So the Holy Spirit affirms we are God's children. And the enemy wants to cause that doubt all the time. I, I want you to know, church, as God's kids, we've been living far below the rights of being God's kids. And I am not talking about one iota of stuff. I'm talking about this relationship that God intends to bring to us. We've been selling it way short because we've been listening to who the enemy says we are rather than what God says we are. Who God says we are. Instead of living in the freedom that He came to bring us. I want you to hear me correctly when I speak this. I believe that God is all over this message. So hear it from Him. I believe that in the church we've been taught and we are learning to live with our brokenness rather than allowing God to heal the brokenness. We've been learning to cope with addictions rather than being set free from them. See, we've been called out of the old life into new life. We've been called into God's relationship with us, no longer a relationship with the world. Therefore, God desires to make us whole and new. His word says this. See, God has promised us healing and deliverance. Wholeness. 
You know when Jesus said, I have come to bring you life more abundantly or life to the full? <laughs> he didn't say a loaf, life to cope. Seriously. I'm not telling you you don't have to deal with issues for a season of time. I'm not. What I'm saying is God says, I've come to heal you, to set you free, to make you new. So when is that going to happen? When we die? I mean, church, think about it. God came to us where we are to change us. If it was all going to happen in death, why do we have the Holy Spirit now? <laughs> why? Why are we getting instructed in the Word of God at what it means to live new, to be changed? to walk in this relationship with God. Why? Church, because God intended for us to live differently once we know Him, in relationship with Him, and now live with Him in us. I'm not living on myself, I'm living in God, and God in us. That's the Word of God. So we are who God says we are, not who the world says we are. Not who our parents say we are. Not who our peers say we are. Not who our counselor says we are. Not who we tell ourselves who we are. We are who God says we are. Church, we are who God says we are. Until we own that, we're going to continue to struggle with our identity, our wholeness, and the fullness that God intends for His kids. Own who God is in you. Then you'll know who you are. 2 Corinthians 1, it is God who enables us, along with you, to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us and He has identified us as His own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything He has promised. (laughs) Wow! Church, that should have been an eruption of applause. Woo! Praise God, man! The first installment! that guarantees everything God has promised us. Think about that. God's affirmation, you're my kid. We are right. We have a relationship. That's step one. That's my first installment. I'm now living in you. Guess what? We just opened a door. That's God's Word telling us. Church, He opened a door that says, Now, you have access to all the incredible promises of God. <laughs> that, that is amazing. So if we've repented of our sins and received forgiveness through Jesus Christ our Lord, the Holy Spirit affirms that we're God's kids, and God says now, you're changed, you're living on a new foundation, that rock is Jesus Christ. Stand on it. Stand firm. Yes, Lord, I'm yours, you're mine. Let's go. See, everything the world builds on is sand, and it just kind of sips. You know, I look at that hourglass, and I see the sand sifting through, and it's, that's where it is. We see it for a little while and feel good about ourselves pretty soon. It's like, whoop, we're down on the bottom. And we got sucked through this little tunnel to get there. And it was painful, the realization of, oh, that didn't do anything for me. 
I felt like I was up here because I finally achieved this. I got a promotion. I got a raise. I got a new house. I got a new car. I got a new identity. I got this. I'm not saying any of those things aren't okay to have. Listen to what I'm saying, church. See, when we bank our identity on that, pretty soon we're being sucked through that little tiny narrow spot and plopped down in the bottom and buried. Because it's nothing. (laughs) Now I stand here upon the firm rock of Jesus Christ my Lord where the word of God says that He is our foundation. We build our life upon Him. I'm not building my life on the brokenness. I'm not building my life on what my dad said to me. I'm not building my life on what my peers thought of me, how people viewed me, what they say about me. I don't care what you say about me. I mean that respectfully. I don't want you to hurt my feelings, but if you hurt my feelings, so what? God still says, you're mine. (laughs) Right? My identity is found in Him. I'm getting older. I know that was a revelation. You go ahead and applause for that. No. You know, know, seriously, no. But, you know, when we we bank on the things of the world and what the world says and stuff, I mean, I have a um, little yarmulke spot right here. You know? I was thinking about wearing one of those, and then you wouldn't even know. But, uh, you know, I have that little thing going on there, and I'm getting wrinkles. It's like, well, I've been getting them. It's not something new. Um, and I'm skinny, and I got big feet. And one of the kids in children's church said, Naomi drew me, and that's how she drew me, with big feet and skinny, you know. Anyway, uh, the gray hair on my face, and there's all these things, you know, that say, you're getting old, you're getting old, you're getting old. And so, like, if I look at myself, and I buy into what our world says about us you know not only am i no longer relevant but it's not getting better (laughs) I'm, i'm not only becoming less relevant all the time but i have less relevance and value to the world around me because i don't measure up to their standard of youth health vitality strong muscular handsome full head of hair or completely bald because they accept that now too Um, you know what I mean like things change it's kind of funny to me like I I don't mean this disrespectfully so hear me because I've lived with this my whole life people have no issue with telling you how skinny you are they would never say that to someone that's heavy they wouldn't I have heard it my entire life are you okay are you sick you are so skinny like I'm fine really I am this is just who I am. All right? Like, I don't want to make you mad at me if you have weight problems, but I literally went to a doctor when I was younger to try and gain weight. I wanted to play football. This does not play football. Right? <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't work, man. So I'm like, I'm at the doctor, and he's like, eat, you know, bananas, peanut butter, and ice cream. I ate that literally every night before I went to bed, not to make you mad again. I'm saying, I could eat a half a gallon of ice cream. I get up in the morning, and it's like I'm two pounds lighter. right I can't measure up no matter what I do now I look back on that I'm like oh god man oh man isn't it crazy how we can like try and become something for other people for what reason you know I look back on my life and I'm like oh god I'm I'm totally okay with being the skinny guy with big feet I am I'm totally okay with that. I don't care if you tell me I'm skinny. I am healthy as far as I know. Someday I'm going to die. Yes. Okay? <laughs> just so you know, so you can ask me afterwards. It doesn't offend me at all. It really doesn't offend me. I just think it's funny. 
because you see like we 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 view people and assess them and i'm looking it's like man god you've done so much in our life and you've changed us to give us that identity and yet we're still struggling because the devil's saying like well if you really are you'd be like this if you really were somebody you'd look like that if you were somebody you'd have that you know what i mean have you heard those words So here we are in celebration of Pentecost. Join heirs with Christ as children of God. God's affirmed to us that we're children of God if we receive Christ as our Savior, right? He's done that. So Pentecost marks a new day for the followers of God where now we have identity. We have God living in us. No other generation before since Adam and Eve ever had God living in them the way you and I have the ability to have. You talk about somebody being special. We are special. Seriously, man. Think about that. The creator of the universe who spoke all of this in existence burst out the stars, naming them. Still doing it today. Lives in us. He lives in me. And so now I'm going to sell him short on his promises. Like, I can't believe him to set me free from stuff. I can't believe that God that lives in me can't change my behavior, my acceptance, my life change. Come on. Seriously. A day of restoration in our relationship with God is what this day is all about. The day that we were given back our identity. The day that we, as a people, can be people of God. And not just in name, but in full relationship. Now we can own God's promises personally. You own those? Do you know that he said that was the first installment to every promise of God? That is amazing, man. This is a day about Jesus. Day of the fullness of our redemption. Being made real for you and I. That's what this day is. Here's my action step so we get you out of here. Have you received Jesus Christ as your Savior? Do you know that? How do you know that? <laughs> it wasn't anything anybody else did. It was God that did that in you, didn't he? That's God. That's God's affirmation. God spoke over you. You're mine. <laughs> Man, that, that's like overwhelmingly awesome. That blesses me, man. Dave, you're mine. Okay, so here's the second question. How has the devil been trying to cause you to doubt your identity in Christ? How's he been doing that? Like he's talking all the time, right? He's only got one game. Trying to plant seeds of doubt in who you are. He's trying to plant them in you. No, you're not. No, you can't. Not you. You'll never measure up. They can, not you. Look what they do. Look at their title. Look how they live. Look what they can accomplish. You're nothing. Not you. Nobody knows you exist. Nobody cares. Nobody would know if you weren't even here next Sunday. Nobody would talk to you anyway. Right? Do you hear me? Church, it's happening all the time. The enemy is yakking that lie to us constantly. If. Do you know what he said to Jesus? If you are... Do something yourself. 
Jesus, if you are the Son of God, make that stone bread. Oh, so here's what he's trying to get Jesus to do, to act on his own outside of the Father's will. Do this. Could Jesus do that? For sure. Absolutely. Look, I want you to know there's a lot of stuff you can do. But why are you doing it? It's because you're trying to prove yourself, trying to find your identity, trying to get others to notice, trying to get... That's what the enemy wanted Jesus to do. Go prove yourself. <laughs> I want you to know all those things that he's whispering in your ears are lies. You have incredible value. God died for you. You have value and worth, and he loves you, and he wants you to carry his identity. Isn't that crazy? God wants you to be seen as his ambassador to the world. He wants to put you on full display. That's my kid. (laughs) Oh, man, God is awesome. All right, my last one. What promises of God do you need to own to take the next step in your restoration? What promises of God do you need to own to take the next step in your restoration? See, remember, God is moving us into Christ-likeness, right? So God's doing this work inside of us. So God's revealing stuff to us. So today, the Holy Spirit has revealed something to all of us, like, hey, come on. This is yours. Own it. You ready? Stand with me. The altar's open, man. If you feel like the Spirit of God's drawing you to call on Him for any reason, please come. Don't wait. Don't worry about what people think. It's not about that. It's about you and God. (laughs) He is this amazing God that loves you. (laughs) Thank you, God. Oh God, I just want to say thank you that our identity, that my identity is in you. Thank you, God. (laughs) Thank you. God, I I just... Church, there's a day coming that I'm going to die. And pretty soon nobody even remember me. <laughs> they, won't. they won't even know who I am or who I was. I might have a name in some kind of record of this church, but this church may not even exist then. You know what I mean? Does it matter? Because see, somebody knows me. And he's eternal. And he says, I'm with you always, even to the ends of the earth. I got you. And when it comes to the end of that day, I still have you. And I'm going to pull you out of that place, and you're going to be with me forever. (laughs) Thank you, God. My value is in who you are, God, and who you say I am. And God, that goes for everybody online that's hearing this. Everybody in the room, that goes for everybody in the world. God, you are identity. You are who you say you are, which means that we are who you say we are. Thank you. 
In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, church. God bless you. Have an amazing day with him. Yeah. Isn't he awesome? Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God.